Welcome to Season 3 of Fresh Growth, a podcast by the Western SARE Program, that's Sustainable Agriculture Research and Education. I'm your host, Steve Elliott, alongside co-host Stacy Clary. Just for background, Western SARE promotes sustainable farming and ranching across the American West through research, education, and communication efforts like this podcast. It is funded by the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Institute of Food and Agriculture. Fresh Growth introduces producers and ag professionals from around the West who are embracing new ways of farming and ranching. They'll tell us about their experiences adopting more sustainable agricultural practices and challenges and benefits they've seen. Today's guest is Bashir Muhammad, owner and operator of Zoom Out Mycology, a fungi farm based in Southern Oregon. Zoom Out Mycology's mission is to apply mycology toward a sustainable future. Bashir also leads a Western Sayre Farmer Rancher grant-funded project on reishi mushroom cultivation. Welcome, and thanks for sitting down with us, Bashira. Thank you for having me. Uh, hi, Bashira. As a start, can you define mycology and let us know what Zoom Out Mycology works on? Absolutely. So mycology is the scientific study of fungi, and uh, that makes me a mycologist. Uh, mycologists can study a wide range of things from human health to forest plant pathology to farming. And zooming out is about shifting your focus to problem solve at different scales. So it's you can think of zooming out like a microscope or a camera or a map where you look at like different scales of of life. So with those two combined, our mission is to drive sustainability with fungi, and we do this by the creation of fungi-centric products and programs. So we do some manufacturing, some education, and some research. That's what I do. How did this get started? Okay, so this, I take it as Zoom Out Mycology, and uh, that is, uh, as the owner, it's a bit of a personal journey. But um, I always knew I wanted to be involved with sustainable development. Um, I didn't have the scientific knowledge to know exactly what that meant or what that could look like, though, until like high school. So in high school, I took this AP environmental science class that really gave me the language to really be able to say like, oh, here's what I can do. And then college was even more deep. And I started studying geography. That's where I learned about the mental concept of zooming out. Studying geography, we look at local scale to global scale to all kinds of um, scales of life. Okay, so now we're up to uh, freshman year of college. And then my, so my sophomore year or between freshman and sophomore year, I applied for the National Student Exchange Program that brought me from New Jersey to Southern Oregon where I went to Oregon because it was one of the most sustainable states in the country. And while I was there, I got introduced to fungi and mycology. So that turns out to be a huge part of Oregon culture, Oregon knowledge. And um, so, okay, so that brings us to about 2015 is when I met Paul Stamets, uh, who talked about how fungi could save the planet. And Two years later, I founded Zoom Out Mycology. That's the story. Okay, so that, that begs the question, how can fungi save the planet? Wow. So many ways. That's such a great question. The ways that I 
choose to or practice myself through Zuma Mycology look like um, a T-line and a sawdust bond line. So those are the two product types we make right now. We um, That's pretty separate from education and research, which I'll definitely look forward to telling you about, but I'll just start with simple products. So T, um, for me, is a strategy towards personal sustainability, individual scale wellness. Uh, it's made with medicinal mushrooms like reishi and lion's mane and maitake, uh, which can have many health benefits. And then Sadaspan is more up our mixed group alley. Um, well, one's still agricultural, but uh, we have the challenge of like, how do we grow enough mushrooms for all the tea we sell? So, so it, that's what makes it a little less agricultural. But the Sadaspan, we produce it. We do it often. It's like our thing. And, um, and that has many uses. Are you uh, familiar, either of you familiar with um, ecosystem services? Okay, awesome. Um, ecosystem services are essentially like the benefits that humans derive from nature and fungi are responsible for ecosystem services and in pretty much every category from supporting to uh, provisioning. And uh, so, so for one, the biggest reason I grow Sada Spawn is so others in my local community can grow their own food. So it's like a toolkit for producing your own mushrooms. And um, that's just one use and uh, or application of mycology. What's another? I think that's a I think that's a really good one. <laughs> There's a lot of types of mushrooms. We grow 18 species. Some of them are more on the medicinal side. Some of them are more on food as medicine. Okay, so I'm curious. You've talked a little bit about research and education. We're going to get to that later. Yet you started a business with a team, and I'd like to hear a little bit about the team as well. What prompted you in the journey to go into the business side as well as research and education as a way to make a change in the world? Ooh. Well, that comes more from my family, I think, the business path. Um, I definitely come from a, a family of business people. Um, not that either of my parents own businesses, but like my greater family. So I had that type of nurturing and my family saw that business side in me while I was growing up uh, and really supported that, provided me skills and tools to exercise it and practice it as an adult. Tell us about your team. Okay, so um, I am so grateful for the people that I work with. They're really an awesome bunch and I'm glad we found each other. Uh, so we got Casey, Rebecca, and Luis. Uh, so um, Casey helps out with the farm and in the kitchen. Uh, Luis helps out uh, with marketing. Uh, it's a small team. There's four of us combined. So we all do like a little bit of everything, truthfully. And then there's also Rebecca, who is an herbalist and uh, a clinical herbalist has training in that. Um, she is our key player in the laboratory. So um, one big thing about growing fungi is that it's not always soil-based. So uh, we do a lot of our cultivation in an indoor space, like a lab. Describe the, the lab, the indoor cultivation. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. So it's about three, not, it's exactly three phases of growth that we go through. 
Uh, so the first phase looks like agar plates. So like little plates of potato jello that you put some fungi on and then they, they consume that. And then you take little slices of that, which is a horizontal plane of fungal material, and you add it in small increments to like a new food source, the phase two food source, which is grain. And then the third phase is sawdust. Uh, so yeah, so they're all decomposer fungi and they break down and consume the sawdust at the end of the phases. All right. You have a, a Sarah Farmer Rancher grant, is that right? Yes, indeed. Talk to us about that. I mean, what are you what are you researching and 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 how did you even come across the opportunity? Absolutely. Uh, so the the SARE um, grant that we are working on is is a project entitled Mushroom Farming to Bring Greater Equity and Diversity to the Food System. And as someone who's very interested in sustainable agriculture, I just think I always and not always, but I've definitely been familiar with the SARE program for at least two years. Uh, so I've been like able to stay up to date that way. And uh, we're specifically researching um, so uh, water use efficiency in mushroom cultivation. So mushrooms are a very water efficient crop. To give it some numbers, um, I was just doing a report the other day it takes over 6,000 liters of water to produce one pound of beef, where it takes about 6.8 liters to produce one pound of button mushrooms. So that provides some context for like um, living in the region of Southern Oregon, which is really drought uh, affected. And then there comes reishi. So reishi mushroom is a mushroom that gets buried as you grow it, which is pretty different from other outdoor cultivation strategies. So that kind of just sparked a question for me, like, you know, if we can bury reishi mushroom, maybe we can try burying it with other materials to in an attempt to conserve water. So that was essentially the research question. It's pretty straightforward and simple. Um, and I think the one of the coolest not coolest, but one of the most impactful uh, areas for, from the SARE grant is our educational programs associated. So we're doing four workshops. The last two are this weekend. So I'm getting really excited for that. And we've been teaching about like a wide range. So we started with fungi and sustainability and the inter many intersections that exist uh, from like fungi in fashion to fungi in the food system. And uh, <clears throat> the second workshop was on uh, warm weather spe species. So how to grow warm weather mushrooms. The third one is coming up. It's about utilizing medicinal mushrooms. So what do you do with them? They're not edible all the time. So you need to decoct them or make a tincture or something or a tea. And, um, and the last workshop is cool weather cultivars. So as far as the sustainability aspect of this, of this project, I think it really ties into our dimensions of sustainability strongly in the institutional dimension, which is like what I believe is our biggest lever for sustainable change as you mount mycology. Explain more about the, um, the institutional 
part of sustainability. We don't talk as much about that, to be honest. So what do you mean and how do you, how do you feel like you're going to be able to impact that? Yeah, so the institutional dimension of sustainability is is probably the more complex one to understand. Um, it's not super concrete, um, but I but what it is is all actions within, around, and maybe even through like organizations as a whole. So that's kind of how I think about the institutional dimension. Our society would look very different if we didn't have all these different types of institutions and if they didn't interact with each other. So to me, that's what the institutional dimension is all about. How are institutions interacting? How are businesses, programs like SARE um, or, or universities like the ones we work with, um, how are those types of relationships able to lead to affecting change? So that's what the institutional dimension is about. And then within that dimension of sustainability, uh, we have two priorities specifically. So um, the first one is educational partnerships. And the second is in industry, innovation, and infrastructure. So to me, the second one is all about all the decision-making that's involved with running a business, starting a farm, interacting with society and consumers and employees and more. And with, with the business, right now you're, you're focusing on the fungi. All right. So there, there's a lot big picture that you are working on as far as sustainability and the impact you and your team would like to make on sustainability and your local community and access to food. Do you see expanding beyond fungi into other products in order to make that impact? Okay, expanding beyond fungi. Um, fungi is fun in that it, it almost always involves something else. So like, for example, even when I'm working with decomposer fungi, it involved like we could not exist without intact forest ecosystems um, as far as like being a sawdust fueled operation that doesn't involve fungi. Like I wanna really get involved with like forest management and policy in that regard. Um, but I have more specific, like, more specific goals that are product related. Um, like I personally, have been doing a lot of work around pesticides, either remediation or, um, or pesticide, biological pesticide development. And um, that's a potential area for expansion and growth and learning more, most of all. So, but um, I do think that it will always involve some fungi. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Given, given the name of your business and your focus, it seems like it should, you know, that, that makes sense. <laughs> what just sort of what percentage of our food source could be fungi based if if things went you know that way i mean you, you talked about the water usage between a pound of beef and a pound of button mushrooms and i've seen more and more products that are that are mushroom based and and you know that aren't mushrooms but they're you know what you know talk about the future of of what we eat. 
Wow. Yeah, well, uh, um, I definitely can't speak specifically on the future itself, but if oh, I... Oh, really? Could... You don't know? You have no crystal ball? <laughs> <laughs> sure, come on now. <laughs> but if I could have a say, like in a policy sense, I would definitely try and advocate for, like, when making any sustainability plan... Um, I think a great first step is to start with what are the regional abundances and limiting factors. So, um, so I think that's a great place to start regarding our food system, how much of it can be fungal. Uh, another fun fact is uh, that on, I think, one square acre, you can produce 900 million pounds of mushrooms like it's a really ridiculous amount of mushrooms <laughs> and uh so given that i think we could all live on mushrooms <laughs> but i think we might want to eat like i personally i was just talking to in my environmental science class um about how i hope we can save a lot of varieties of apples like <laughs> through climate change and everything like just save lots of um of varieties of crops i think that's so important to our to our good health and well-being <laughs> yeah. right yeah. and going back to your your workshops and something you said earlier about um uh, selling products so that people could grow their own mushrooms how much interest is there in your community for this wow well i think it's really good because when we do workshops at zoom out mycology uh, we get 50 to 60 people each time. The SARE program, like overall, we, there's 50 plus people in the last two classes. There were 25 people in the first two classes. I'm not honestly sure how to count that. Do I add up all the people all together? Do I count people who only came to, to all four once? Like, so, but I think that is a lot of interest. <laughs> That's a lot of interest. It's a lot of interest. <laughs> yeah. What have you tried that didn't work? Um, well, this is a little bit painful, although I did laugh when it happened, <laughs> which was a long-term process because it's farming. <laughs> but um, I actually tried to go out and um, use the different medias in the Reishi research project and see which one might retain more water. And it was the topsoil was the only effective one. So again, it was a little painful, but it was a great learning experience. And it helped me understand that in the future, there's, you know, we can build on the benefits of each substrate by, um, you know, it's sawdust, for example, I would water it and the water would penetrate maybe like three centimeters, like, cause it's just so absorbent, so fluffy. So yeah, it was very compact. So each substrate in our, in our trial had very different characteristics and that was, no one was expecting that. I'll just say that no one was expecting to have like, even we had lots of tours in the spring and uh, people would always tell me they're, 
their ideas like oh maybe it'll be the sawdust because it retains so much water or and yeah so that was one example see but that's not that didn't go wrong that was just something you didn't expect and learned i mean that's that's kind of the nature of research is like we have this idea it's like nope that's wrong <laughs> yeah that's part that's why part of me laughed when it happened i was like this is learning this is learning in real life <laughs> this is Exactly. Yeah. I have a question that that isn't as related to the the um, the agriculture side, but you've talked about policy a lot, and that policy drives so much about sustainability and and how rural and farming communities are impacted and, and urban agriculture. How do you see yourself or your team fitting in with policy? Well. The most specific vision or goal that I have is to um, get involved in, I don't know, whether that be a board or something of that nature. I think just being able to represent more people in the room is, um, is how me and my fellow teammates um, can, can stand up for what we care about what we what we need to live we all use for intact forests in some way so and agriculture is super forestry fueled so so i think being able to speak from an agricultural perspective in a way that does tie back to like forests or beginning products end products everything in between i think that could be something helpful mm -hmm. Thanks. I realized that was kind of a question that we hadn't really explored, but I was really taken by the fact that you brought up policy so much. Yes. Well, uh, just a heads up, I'm, I'm doing my undergrad as well at this time at Southern Oregon University, and the program I'm in is called Environmental Science and Policy. Great. Um, there are there are boards out there that, yes. that are going to need active and smart people. Yes. Coolios. Thank you for telling me about that. What you you got into this business and this operation through an environmental focus and a and a, and a sustainability focus. What advice would you give someone else who's you know in school or or you know thinking along those lines and, and thinking maybe agriculture is the way to go? What what would you offer them? see if I got anything. Oh, yes, I have something good. Okay. <laughs> um, so there is a quote that we live by at Zoom Out, and it's by Arthur Ashe. And it says to start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. And um, I think in everything, but especially in farming, in, you know, agriculture, um, I think using what you have uh, and maybe starting where you are might be a little challenging, depending on where you live in the agricultural sense, but using what you have and doing what you can, I think, should drive, like, the, the, the beginning of the process for, for, um, for just even starting. I think starting holds some people back and just, you know, just knowing that there's no pressure to, like, have it all figured out at the 
beginning or have every possible, all the shiny equipment um, is not necessary immediately and maybe never. That's, I'm, I'm glad you shared that because I've written it down and it's going to go up on my wall. Thank you. Well, thanks for taking the time with us. It was great talking with you and learning so much. And it was a, it was a fairly new topic to me. So um, I really appreciate it. And it sounds like you're learning a lot, doing a lot, and really enjoying yourself. It definitely sounds like. You may us. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> thanks for joining us here today. And uh, we really appreciate it. And it was it was great fun. Thank you very much. Thank you, too. Thank you for listening to Fresh Growth. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information on Western Sayre grants and our learning resources, visit westernsayre.org.